Hello. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm Audrey. And this is Mrs. and Mistresses. The podcast <laughs> where we talk about uh, famous men in history and the women in their lives. Although today's a little different. This is like... Usually, usually I would say like the badass or like the awesome women in their lives. But like, I don't know about these women in particular. <laughs> they're not, they're not uh, my, my favorite uh, that yeah, I've covered is, so far. This is, this is new for us. This whole idea of like, usually I feel like we're like, here's this famous man and here's his really cool, amazing wife who he cheated on with all of these cool, amazing women. Yeah. This time it's kind of like, here are two shitty people yeah. who found each other and a bunch of mistresses. Yeah, and then proceeded to manipulate and, like, be predatory on a bunch of people. Yeah. Some, not all, but most of them. Okay, did we even say We didn't even say We didn't even say his name yet. It could be anybody. It could, we could be talking about Donald Trump for all they know. Yeah. Which, by the way, That's today's the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Victory day. Yeah, day. We, we just found out today that Biden won. Uh... That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> so who are we talking about today? You say his name because you're better at it. I really want to know like who people think we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Take know a minute. Else, Take a minute to guess. Yeah. <laughs> so guess your best guesses. <laughs> um, so we're talking about Sartre and Simone de Beauvoir. I am beautiful. I said it like that once. The rest of the time I'm saying Sartre and Beauvoir. <laughs> I yeah. decided. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's too much. There's too many R's in there. No. Um, too many airs. <laughs> Pardon? Um, so they had a, like, non-traditional marriage, so it makes sense that they would have non-traditional mistresses, too. Yeah. So this is gonna be definitely different for us. Yeah. Um, but Maybe. I feel like it's good because it's nice to show a perspective, like, a well-rounded perspective of, you know, not just the fact that men can be shitty, but that women can be, too. No. Yeah. No. I know. It's hard to tell sometimes because men can be so <laughs> shitty, but women can also be awful. And the thing that <laughs> fucked me up the most this time is that even women who write groundbreaking feminist theory yeah. can still be awful to other women. Well, yeah. Yeah. In case you didn't so, know, now you know. Yeah. I mean... Everyone can suck. Even I, you. <laughs> Our show is all about just taking people that you thought may have been cool. I really just... thought this was going to be like an empowering show. <laughs> it's not at all. Okay, so I yeah. So before we before we say the real story, I thought this would go one of two ways. Yeah. The first way I was thinking that I was gonna, because you know I heard about their relationship being very like one of the first like open relationships. Yeah. Or, like, uh, you know, like very modern. So I thought that. The first way that it could have gone is that, like, I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of their relationship. Why can't I not be jealous of, like, you know, my partner being with other people? And, like, yeah. how did they manage to do this? And they're so enlightened, like, and, yeah. and so in love with each other, and this is great. And then the other way I thought it would go is that um, it would just be, like, our classic kind of story that we've talked about so many times on this podcast where there's a horrible cheating pig of a husband yeah. and the wife just kind of accepts it and yeah. pretends that she's cool it. with it. Yeah. Um, that's not that's not how it went at all. Not <laughs> that it. was not my expectation. Not my expectations were not met. Mm -mm. Um, I was super surprised because first of all, I didn't I've never even heard of Sarge before you mentioned him. 
uh, truly. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I, I really yeah. didn't know who he was at all. I haven't learned about him ever. So, do you have some history on him? Like, a little background at all? He's, he's like, a very famous existentialist. And, I mean, I think it's appropriate to say that he started existentialism. Um, him and Simone de Beauvoir. Um, he's a philosopher, but he's more known for his literary works. Um, his philosophy was about existentialism, but then, like, his literary works are also on the topic of existentialism. Okay. Um, no Exit is his most, one of his most famous plays. No Exit is about, like, a, um, the whole thing takes place in hell, and uh, <laughs> there's, like, only three characters, and it all takes place in the same room. Like, very, like, weird kind of, especially for the time, very weird. So, he had one, mm, for lack of a better word, wife, uh, his whole life, not his whole life, but he had only one wife in his life. Uh, I'm going to say her whole name again because I just think it's really fucking ridiculous. Simone Lucie Ernestine Marie Bertrand de Beauvoir. Because <laughs> you just really got to wow, be pretentious. I didn't know she had that many names. Yeah. She was oh. born in 1908. Um, she was a writer, an intellectual, uh, an existentialist, a philosopher, a political activist, feminist, social theorist... Uh, she's most famous for her book, The Second Sex, that she wrote in 1943, uh, 49, sorry. Um, it covered, uh, women's oppression and the foundation of contemporary feminism. So she did a lot of her writing on feminism. Um, two other novels she's, she's well known for are She Came to Stay and The Mandarins. I'll cover a little bit about those later. Yeah, I will too. Cool. Um, so her early life, um, she was born to a rich family. Um, they struggled to keep their wealth through World War I. Um, she was really religious as a kid, which, like... Yeah, she was born to a really Catholic family. Yeah. I can't relate. Um, she wanted to become a nun. I have, like, a bunch of question marks after that, because I just really don't understand her as a person. But then she became an atheist in her teens, like we all did. Just saying, when I saw The Sound of Music for the first time, I did want to become a nun. I had, I had a Oh, face. okay. Maybe I don't speak for all, for all of us here. <laughs> um, it looks really appealing in The Sound of Music. Yeah, dude. Like, they <laughs> almost die at the end. countryside. <laughs> Do you remember that part? Not because she, the nuns saved them at the end, actually. I was, I was born in the wrong decade. I, I wish I was in the 40s in Germany. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> um, so as she kind of matured and became like a cynical uh, punk rock teen, um, she stopped believing in God and then she started getting really philosophical and like intellectual. Her father is noted to say that, uh, quote, she thinks like a man, which like probably just like a person so smart. that's smart. <laughs> um, so when she was kind of getting of age to marry, her family was losing their status um, because of the war, and they didn't really have a dowry for her anymore. Um, so she decided just she was going to go to school and make her own money, and that's what she did. She studied a lot. Uh, she studied math at the Institut Catholique de Paris and <laughs> philosophy at the Sorbonne, which is like one of the best schools in Paris. Um, she wrote her Diplôme d'études supérieures, which is her master's thesis, essentially, uh, on Leibniz, who's a, I did not pronounce that right, but he's a mathematician uh, of the Enlightenment era. Interesting. Um, her first job uh, was with Maurice Marleau-Ponty, who was a philosopher, and Claude Levi-Strauss, a 
famous anthropologist. Um, she met Sartre at uh, the Ecole Normale Supérieure, which is like a grad school, and it's a really, really uh, famous grad school in Paris as well. Yeah, that's like the smartest people in the yeah. country go there. She did at, like math and literature. Like, can you? I didn't know she was into math. Jesus. Yeah, just a genius all around. Um, I have a quote here from her memoir, um, Memoirs of a Dutiful Daughter. Uh, she says, my father's individualism and pagan ethical standards were in complete contrast to the rigidly moral conventionalism of my mother's teaching. This disequilibrium, which made my life a kind of endless uh, disputation, is the main reason why I became an intellectual. At this point in the research, I was like, she sounds fucking awesome. She's a genius. She decided to like make money so that she could <laughs> be an eligible bachelorette. Um, without her parents' dowry, and she, like, did it. Also, she... So they, they met at UNS, the Ecole Numérique, but they met while taking the something called the aggregation. When you go to UNS, you take this test, and it's, like... I think it has to do with, like, doing research and presenting it or something. It's more than just a written test. Mm. Um but if you, like, pass it, then like, you're automatically like, in the, like, most notable, smartest French people, oh like, in, in, it goes down in history, and she was the youngest person to ever get this, wow. and it was between her and Sartre, and they met while they were studying for mm -hmm. this thing, and the first time that she tried for this like, honor, um, he won, even though, uh, like, now, you know, now that they've passed away and everything, like, uh, they've... We know now what the, like, judges were thinking when they were trying to pick, and they picked him because he was a man, and they acknowledged that she was better than him as a philosopher, but they picked him because they were scared to pick a woman, um, and then, uh, then she tried again, and she got it, and she Good. was the youngest person ever. To, uh, I love that. Yeah. But don't you worry, we're gonna ruin this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> she did, she did give us the whole... She planted the roots for the the feminist movement in, in the 60s and this whole idea that the key to women's liberation is financial freedom. Yeah. And that, like, you know, being able to control your own money is is the first step in becoming equal. Hmm. Um, yeah, which is... Which is... Kind cool. of a... Yeah, it's cool. But also gets ironic, as we... It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, after, after school, she taught... Um, after she graduated school... She taught secondary education um, until 1943, so she graduated in, like, 1928, started teaching, and then her career ended in 1943, and I'll get there in a second. <laughs> she, met, she met Sartre in 1929. So after uh, Sartre met uh, Simone's father, he was kind of, like, trying to get him to marry her. He wanted to, like, marry off his daughter, <laughs> um, and, and he asked Beauvoir to marry him. They were sitting outside the Louvre, by the way. Wow. I just wanted to add that. And he said, let's sign a two-year lease. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but uh, they were never exclusive. They were never technically married. Uh, they never really lived together officially. Uh, I guess the two-year lease thing, you know. She always kept her on the party. I, I think that was the case, which is what we were just talking about. <laughs> Also, yeah, I, but what a privileged, yeah. I mean, what woman wouldn't I, want some yeah, space for her I would do that friend. too, if I could. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty expensive. 
Um, so this was obviously shocking for the day. Like it wasn't conventional to like have a partner that you didn't marry and live with and were, you know, committed to. Um, but uh, it's in line with what she described as her ideal relationship in her book, The Second Sex. Um, she um, never had children, which is also unconventional, but she had some adopted children. Um, both Simone and uh, Jean-Paul Sartre adopted their own children. Um, I'll get to that. Yeah. I don't have a lot of detail, but I have some, like, at the end of their lives. So uh, her open relationships, obviously, they were controversial for the time. They overshadowed her, her academic reputation. So her most famous uh, lover was the American author Nelson Algren. He was a character in her book, The Mandarins. Um, she also lived with a man named Claude Landsman, who was a French filmmaker. Uh, she lived with him in the 50s for a period of time. So she was just hopping around. She had her oh, boyfriends yeah. here and there. Landsman uh, made the ridiculously long uh, documentary about the Holocaust, yeah. Shoah. Yeah, that's correct. So I'm gonna go a little bit into these affairs. Um, so she didn't. She denied all of, all of these affairs. Sure, about talk about. She denied them all, her whole life. And then later, yeah. when she died, letters were released. People and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, but these things happened. Like it's definitely it seems to be the case. I just yeah. don't think she like told other people. I feel like as a woman at that time, it's very easy to be like, "This is my intimate friend." Yeah. You don't fuck. Yeah. Especially it, if you're bi and you're with men sometimes, too. It's easy I, to get away with. So, uh, Bianca Lamblin was a student um, of Beauvoir's. Uh, she wrote a book later detailing that while she was a student, uh, Beauvoir had sexually exploited her. Um, some people say that Lamblin had an affair with the both of them, Sartre and Beauvoir, for years, but it's not uh, verified by numerous sources, so I, I can't really say that's fact. Um, but this is why Bouvard was suspended in 1943. She was also accused of seducing a 17-year-old uh, student named Natalie uh, Sorokin. She got her license back later to teach, um, but that was when she was <laughs> suspended. Yeah, I just thought I would mention that, because, like, fuck. That sucks. So in 1977, Bouvard, Sartre, and others, including uh, Foucault, Really? Uh, signed a petition against the age of consent laws. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, it gets a little shaky. Honestly, it's... Sorry. <laughs> it's on me. I'll edit it out. Sarah, edit this out. <laughs> they argued uh, that the age of consent is a trap and shouldn't exist since no one makes a contract before making love. And those are direct words from the contract. Um, there's an app now where you can do that. Do what? Make a contract before making love. Oh. Because, like, men are so afraid of sleeping with a woman and then having her call raised. It's afterwards. better. It's weird, but it's better than the contrary. It's really funny, though, that. It's like, what do you... It has a list of, like, all these different sexual acts, and you, like, check them all off, and then you sync your apps with each other. Are you and, saying like, this from personal experience? I just know it exists, okay? <laughs> all I need is a safe word. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't want to gloss over that. That's bad. What I just said is very bad. bad. Yes, bad. bad. Don't condone shitty people here. Foucault might be an interesting guy later. I don't know a lot about his love life, but I feel like he maybe wasn't straight, but you still call it a mistress if it's a man? No, I don't think so. Mistress is like inherently a feminine term, right? Yeah, but what do you call a lover? 
a fair partner? It does not have the same ring to it. I think it's a fair Mr. partner. Mr. and a fair partner. <laughs> we'll look into it when we research it. So I'm going to get into uh, some of the stuff she wrote. So her book, She Came to Stay, is supposedly inspired by Beauvoir and Sartre's sexual relationship with sisters Olga and Wanda. So Olga liked Beauvoir, Simone Beauvoir. Olga did not like Sartre. So Sartre, like, tried to get her to sleep with him for years. It's pathetic. And she denied him. So he met her sister, Wanda, and slept with her. And then they kind of had, like, a thing. They went on double dates and slept together, and it was weird. Um, I have to think about this. Should I say this now or later? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So in 33, went to... Rouen, she had moved there so that she could be closer to Sartre because he was teaching in uh, Le Havre, I think, and um, so they could like see each other like a couple days a week. Um, and she was teaching there, and then she met a seventeen-year-old student named Olga. Um, she was the daughter of uh, Russian um, immigrants, and they obviously had they had to move after the revolution. Um, Olga was attractive, dreamy, and unhappy, which seems to be their type. As a couple, they okay. always find young women that are like this. Um, like, picture, like, an angsty teen who yeah. has, like, a really cool, what we call English teacher. They would just call it, like, French teacher. Um, she really looks up to this French teacher because she's oh very cool and smart and, and won the aggregation. And, like, she just... <laughs> and then this French teacher's like, yo, do you want to you wanna fuck me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I imagine that's like yeah. that's like a whole thing, like too. Like, I'm yeah. sure this fucking 17 year old student was not like in touch with her sexuality yet, so she's yeah. also coming to terms with like, oh my god, I like fucking women. Like, yeah. it's a whole thing. Um, so after the school year ended, they like started to see each other outside of school, and then in 35, uh, Beauvoir did what would become like a pattern for them. Um, she would just be like. Like, oh, this is my boyfriend, husband, uh, Sartre, and, like, you should, like, we'll take care of you. Like, we're older than you, yeah. and we're smart, and we're academics, and we're teachers, and, like, why don't you, like, come under our wing? Like, financially? Financially, but also, like, we're responsible for her education, moved her into a room and at the hotel where they were all living, and, like, they began an affair, her and uh, Beauvoir, and then, like you said, she, like, introduced her to Sartre, and was kind of like, so, you want to you wanna fuck yeah. my husband, too? And then Olga was like, fuck, She's no. Like, no. Um, and so, like, in order to still, like, create this, this love triangle thing that they love yeah. to create, he met her sister, and Wanda, and, um, who was, you know, also beautiful and sad and um and after two years of trying to convince her because he was like okay i guess i'll give up on olga now she yeah. won't fuck me yeah um i'll just i'll just listen to simone tell me about fucking her <laughs> and then he met her sister and her sister was also beautiful and he tried for two years to fuck the sister oh and then the sister God. finally gave in she's probably like too drunk one night and she was like you know what yeah. just fucking whatever come here you ugly little piece of shit yeah um i i think this is very like emblematic of of the, the whole thing that they I tried to do. I think I know do. what you're going to say because we read the same article. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, I mean, you could talk about she came to stay, but I, I think that, like, he wanted so badly to fuck her and then he finally did and then it's like it meant more to them 
not this kind of open relationship that they had, open marriage, wasn't about fucking other people, but it was going back to each other and yeah. talking about yeah. fucking other people. Weirdos. And like not and like that can be I'm not gonna kink shame, but like No, like that's a kink. That's a valid kink. But it's the fact that they would talk shit about the yeah. people. Like it's not it's one thing to be like it's not even and like, then she did this to me and like were so, Yeah. And you get yeah. turned on by that and that's fine. That's like if everyone is a, a willing participant in that, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's the fact that they were like Oh yeah, she really thinks that I'm in love with her. I've convinced <laughs> yeah. her that I'm in love with They're her. They're like sociopaths. Yeah, truly. it is fucking insane. They're like this evil. They are. Duo. They are evil, and it's. I feel like we're talking about like. A, I feel like they're about to like murder them. Yeah. But they're not. They're just. They're about to like. That's how I feel. I it's feel like, like this is a true crime. They want to be able. <laughs> they want to be able, emotionally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they want to be able to like. It's an emotional crime. It is. It's fucked up. They're manipulative yeah. as fuck. They suck. They um, suck. Especially because these women are so young. Mm-hmm. And especially because they're dominating a financial, like, authority over them. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think that not only did they, and this leads in perfectly into She Came to Stay, like, not only are they doing this just to share this with each other and further their own bond between each other, because after a couple years, they stopped sleeping, Simone and, and uh, Sarge stopped, stopped sleeping with each other. So... This was their only way of connecting sexually. This was their way of having sex was fucking other people and convincing other people that they were in love and then going back to each other and being like, and maybe it made them feel better about their own bond with each other. I don't know. But that in itself is fucked up. But then also the fact that they use that for literary inspiration and then they would write about these things afterwards. This is why so. you shouldn't date an, like an artist <laughs> or a writer or anyone in the creative field. Listen, if, if your man is successful, he's, he's probably also cheating on you. <laughs> That's why we lever underemployed boys, okay? <laughs> you make more than $30,000 a year. I'm not into no. it. <laughs> so, okay, she came so to say. Was she one came of to say. I'm not going to go into detail about the book. Fucking read it yourself. But like the ending is... Well, the whole, like, the way she sets up characters is really funny because Sabuvar sets up Olga and Wanda as one character. Mm-hmm. And they have a threesome in the novel because... So the characters are Sark, Beauvoir, and Olga slash Wanda as well. Olga slash Wanda. Yeah. They all have different names, of course, but they... It's, like, that's so they lightly represent. Fiction, fictionalized. Yeah, it's so, so thinly veiled. She doesn't even try. But I think it's just so funny that she was like, well, like, they, we, that never actually happened because... Olga never wanted to sleep with you, so I'm just gonna, like, make a fake person out of it to, like, make you feel good in the literary world, like, ugh. She also dedicated the book to Olga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, right. at the end, the Beauvoir character kills the Olga character. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a comment on that. Earlier you said, oh, like, I wish I couldn't, I wish I didn't feel jealousy for, like, you know, having an open relationship yeah. or something like that. So, there are some... Again, it's not easy to document that type of thing, but there are some, like, sources that say that Beauvoir did struggle with jealousy. And she did, like, she was, like, mad at herself for being jealous. Like, she wanted that lifestyle, but because she, she likes sleeping with other men, too, and other women. But she struggled with the jealousy with yeah. with Sartre and the, the women he was sleeping with. So I think that was... Yeah. It wasn't a black and white thing for her. It wasn't like, oh, no, that doesn't bother me. It's like... You can do it, but it, sometimes uh, it feels weird, and I don't like it. Which is like, that's being a woman, honestly. So, yeah. So I, th- I think we should. Okay. So yeah, maybe let's pause right now to just talk about their pact that they had with each other. Okay. Like the premise of this whole relationship is yeah. that 
they could have affairs, but they had to tell each other everything. So that's what they decided after they that's were... the worst. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. You don't want to fucking know. Um, I mean, this is... Uh, this is a form of polyamory yeah, yeah. that no, actually no. works for some people. Certainly, I don't yeah. know how, but it does. Um, so he said to Beauvoir, what we have is an essential love, but it is a good idea for us also to experience contingent love affairs. Which, like, sounds cute, but mm. the way they did that yeah. is not... Um, there is, from their letters, there actually is evidence that she felt jealous, um, and she, like you said, she was distressed to discover that she felt this way, and Sartre advised her that jealousy, like all passions, is an enemy of freedom, it controls you, and you should be controlling it. Oh god, I've heard that from every boy I've ever fucking dated. (laughs) Awful. Um... So, yeah, yeah, um, and then, like, obviously, there are a lot of letters that came out after after uh, Sartre died, Beauvoir um, released letters um that they did they sh- like had between each other, like their correspondence, um, but she left a lot of stuff out, and then, after she died, some people had access to mm. their estates, and right. more information was found from there. We still don't have the letters, but we have people talking about the letters that they read. Um, I have breaking news. Oh my god. (laughs) Wait, let me find the line. So, there, something, a book of of Simone de Beauvoir's was written, obviously in her lifetime, but not published because it was too intimate, direct quote, too intimate uh, to publish at the time. It was approved to be published this year, and it's going to come out in 2021 in Vintage, a magazine. Exciting. So keep your eyes open for that one. Wow. (laughs) And this this details a relationship between Beauvoir and her childhood friend, Elizabeth Lecoin. Oh my god. Um, Wow. So... Yeah, I don't know what direction it's going to go, but apparently it was too intimate to release at the time, so it's probably going to be fucking weird. probably, like... Or maybe not my first pussy. Yeah, maybe it'll be that. I hope it's not predatory. I don't know. I hope it's, like... My sexual woman, if you're talking about a childhood friend, it's probably about your first I hope it's not, like, she's preying on a younger... I I don't know. I... I just seen that she's a bad person, so I just think it's a bad thing. But maybe it's maybe it's fine. Maybe she wasn't corrupted yet. M- yeah, maybe. But that's coming out next year, so I think that was very like wow. uh, recent and crazy. I'm just realizing now how much my own life aligns with Simone de Beauvoir's. I really hope I don't turn out to be <laughs> a manipulative. <laughs> if I get into a, if I find a star, can you stop me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever The did. way he just looked at me is not good. The way he sounds sounds a little... What does she study again? I'm not telling you. I'm not saying that I don't here. know. <laughs> um, uh, uh. Man, that Catholic guilt, it does things to you, okay? Um, oh, uh, just to add, why do all good artists and philosophers suck? Yeah, for real. Anyway. Great, great work you put out there, but you fucking suck as people. <sighs> Even Karl Marx... I'm still not over that. I'm not over Karl Marx and I'm not over Bernie Sanders. God, I'm not over Ben Franklin. Oh, fuck him. No, I knew the founding fathers of this country. Come on, look at this country. He was like the cool one. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, he was cool. What he did was cool. Went to sex clubs and yeah. things. That was pretty cool. <laughs> hey, all the OG listeners know what we're talking about <laughs> one episode ago. <laughs> If you haven't seen that, stop right now. Go back. Go back. You need to listen in order. Oh my god. You totally do not. Not at all. There's no rhyme or reason for any of this. You know. Let me continue with 
uh, Beauvoir's works. Yeah. Okay. I have a little, uh, just a little comment. Uh, so Sartre was an existentialist and she like always criticized his works. Like he would like publish them and she would like publicly write criticisms of his work, yeah. which I think is so Yeah, she straight weird. up told him that he was a better uh, <laughs> writer, like like literary writer yeah. than, than a philosopher and that he should stop to writing philosophy and, and transition to more literary works and she was right because the most ball. of the stuff he's remembered for are his plays. I I respect that about her. I like that she could fuck. I, she was just so fucking smart, but just not a good person. Like, just a super genius. But Maybe she needed know. other men because she was like, I know I'm smarter than him. Yeah. And it's not doing it for it, me. She, like, can't. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> hey, I feel totally fine with the fact that my boyfriend's smarter than me, and it should be that way. Oh. If not, you're going to become a Beauvoir. <laughs> Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> we'll I'm see when you come out with a like... memoir about your lesbian exploration as a child. <laughs> Coming um, in 2021. It just might. If this quarantine keeps up, <laughs> I might start writing I, it. I have time. <laughs> Talk about my childhood sexuality. What the hell? I feel uh, like she just really struggled to find someone who matched her intellectually. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. If, if one of France's most famous philosophers is not matching you intellectually, yeah. dude, you're a. I guess she's also one of France's most famous. Yeah, but like she's yeah, she's got a. She went transatlantic. I mean, for Christ's sake, mm-hmm. she got to mm-hmm. go across the world to, to find other people. Yeah, she really did. <laughs> okay, so Le Temps Modern is a political journal that she wrote with Sartre and a couple other people. Um, that was another like really famous work. They worked on it with, like, a group of, I don't know, five to ten famous philosophers. Um, there was drama at some point with uh, Ponty. What's his name? Ponty. Uh, Maurice Marlowe Ponty. He was part of this this group, uh, of this journal, and they had, like, drama. Like, Sartre and him got in a fight, and then Beauvoir had to kick him out. It was stupid. Anyway, lots of existentialism and feminist thought in a political journal. And then the second sex... Um, a quote from that uh, that I thought I would pull out is, uh, one is not born but becomes a woman, which was like a breakthrough yeah. for that time because it she kind of, she wasn't the first person to say something like that, but it was like a very kind of widespread idea of like the sex-gender distinction. Um, and also just the idea of, I think, just something existentialism talks about a lot, like the philosophy of like everyone having free will. Yeah. And the fact that women's free will is taken away from them in that becoming a woman. Exactly, yeah. And she talks about how the man in society labels women as the other um, to give an excuse to not understand them mm-hmm. and to create patriarchy, basically. So super fun feminist read if you guys are looking for something. Um, the second sex is fucking hard to read. Though, yeah. Let me just say. I was like, oh, I'm going to read this in French. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. Not capable of that. It's, it's hard like, to read in English. Is it hard to read? Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. Um, she was reluctant to call herself a feminist until the social movements of the 60s and 70s because um, it kind of altered the reputation of what feminist means. Uh, I like how that was always, like, a thing. I feel like that's still a thing today. That people are like, oh, I, I believe in equality, but, like, uh, feminist is, like, a... Because it's a, it's a diverse movement, and I think it always was, Um uh, um, yes, because there are a lot of different kinds of women, of women. <laughs> yeah. it turns out. And so 
a lot of it was kind of spearheaded by just like white women. <laughs> Look at like the suffrage movement, for instance. So yeah, rich white women. Yeah, precisely. Um, but she eventually, by the end of her lifetime, was uh, a self-proclaimed feminist. Well, I'd fucking hope so. Jesus. <laughs> she like she did start like most feminist of theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Sylvie, uh, her adopted daughter, um, said, Oh my God, wait, her name is Sylvie Le Bon. Sylvie Le Bon. The good. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, she said her mother would write books. I just thought this was a fun fact. This has nothing to do with anything, but, uh, her mom would write the books out like longhand first, like in a fucking pen and then would hire a typist. That's beautiful. Like amazing. Um, her book, The Mandarins, won the Prix Goncourt, which is, like, a very prestigious award. Um, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> um, uh, it was about the personal lives of her friends and philosophers in her lives after World War II. She dedicated the book to Algren, uh, the lover uh, that lived in the United States, the, the American author. Um, who she dated for some time. He was pissed because the book was really explicit about their sex life. So he was like, can you, like, not do that? Um, he was yeah. probably seeing other people as well. Things not end well for them. Yeah. I don't have details on that, do you? Um, I forget what exactly yeah, that's happened. That's fine. We can skip it. It just... Yeah, I think this is probably well. part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just the fact that... Um, she lied to him a lot, just in general, about the nature mm. of her relationship with Sarah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's those are the, the highlights of, of her uh, portfolio, if you will. <laughs> Again, Les Inseparables is the, the, the book that she wrote uh, about her childhood friend, uh, but it hasn't been published. It's coming out next year. I cannot wait. Crazy. That yeah, we have to. We, maybe we should do a follow up podcast. Yeah. She also did this. Ah, uh, yes. The ethics of ambiguity mm. is another one of her, um, like you know, like philosophy books. Like not like you know, not creative, right? Yeah. Um, and that one is like, I mean. Not, not, I don't think specifically about gender, but, like, it's fucking heady. Like, it's yeah. the meaning of life. Like, yeah. that's what she gets into there. She is, she was an amazing philosopher. I yeah. think better than, than a writer, even. But I don't, haven't really read her, her fiction. Cool. Yeah, her fiction, which was basically just yeah, her right. life. Her fucking, it was hardly fiction. Her yeah. thinly veiled memoirs. Yeah. Um. So last bit, uh, just, like, the later half of her life. She wrote a lot of tra- uh, travel diaries. She went to the U.S. and China a lot. She wrote a lot of short stories about aging. Super exciting. Um, but she was really active in the women's liberation movement in France. She signed a manifesto, including a list of a lot of famous women who apparently had an abortion in France. There was like a lot of skepticism about this. Like A lot of people were like, did you have an abortion or are you just signing this as like a political statement? Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't clear if the women actually signing it had an abortion. It wasn't, there's no clear, you know, mm-hmm. documentation that Beauvoir had an abortion, but they signed this document uh, to kind of like stand yeah. uh, with, with, you know, the pro choice movement. Um, um, and eventually in the seventies in France, abortion was legalized. Uh, women also did not get the right to vote in France until 1945. Yeah, like that's, that's also true. relevant. Yeah, Super pretty late. fucking late. Oh yeah. my god. Um, yeah. And then she wrote uh, La Ceremonie des Adieux to say goodbye to Sartre. That was like 
after he died in 1980, she wrote this collection of, of things in, in 1981. Um, it was the only thing that she ever published that Sartre did not read, which Aww. I thought was really cute. Because, like, he was just her number one fan. Truly. So as fucked up as they were, like, they really supported each other, which is cute. So this, <laughs> I feel like it's relevant to say now. I was going to say this yeah. at the end, but when I was talking to my boyfriend about this and telling him how horrible they were, he said that it's rare that you find people that have been together for as long as they were together that don't deserve each other. Mm. And that, like, as fucked up as they both were, yeah. they deserved each other. They were together for fucking reason. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect match. Yeah. So that's, um, a perfect match is always romantic, even if that perfect match is, like, yeah, two horrible people. So, um, so, Bouvoir published uh, his letters to her, um, making some edits where he spoke of other people, because as we mentioned before, mm-hmm. they talk a lot of shit. Um, Sartre's adopted daughter, uh, Arlette Elkem, uh, did not want the unedited versions out. So, she... Um, she she made it very clear to Beauvoir, like, hey, make sure like the the true what like whatever he originally said is not fully out there because like that doesn't need to happen. These people are some of them are still alive, and we don't want to like cause a stir. Yeah. So his like, daughter is the both her of their daughters daughter. are are the Sylvie for Beauvoir and Arlette for Sartre. Yeah. Um, They're both the, like, executors of their literary, like, of their will, but also their literary state. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did she, like, tell Beauvoir that, she, like, demanded that. Yeah, she was aggressive. Yeah. On the other hand, Beauvoir's daughter, Sylvie, published Beauvoir's unedited letters after she died. Um, Both letters to Sartre and Algren, the man who lived in the U.S., the, Mm -hmm. the author. So, that would have caused a stir, but she did it after they all died, so. There was also a big thing, oh, this is what it was, this is why it didn't end well with Algren, because he got into a fight with Sylvie after Simone died, because Mm. she wanted to publish all of these letters Mm. unedited, but she wanted to leave out Algren out of her whole life. Like, she wanted to erase him from her life, basically, and he was like, Listen, I don't necessarily really want this shit out there, but it's really fucked up for you yeah. to be just erasing me from her yeah. life. So they got to a dispute about that, but I think he won in the end, and, or he convinced her somehow, because all that, obviously we know this, so yeah. it's out there. Mm. Um, so Beauvoir died in, in 1986. She was 78 years old. She was buried next to Sartre at the Montparnasse, Montparnasse? Cemetery in Paris. Wow. And that's it. Say too. Damn, I wish I would have seen that. I was there. Yeah. I feel like it would be a Is really that the same cool one Jim Morrison's at? No, that's um, um uh Père Lachaise, I think mm. it's called. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's kind of this one was interesting because it's not like I was having like I had two different people and their mistresses to, to yeah. choose from. Yeah. And that's not even including the I didn't men even that, think about that, that Beauvoir was with. Like, you double the work. <laughs> Um, well, they shared most of the mistresses, so it wasn't that hard. <laughs> um, like, it's just interesting because most of these mistresses are both of their mistresses. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we talked about their pact. Um, I thought this was really interesting. The first article I read, the headline was, he thought her ravishing, she found him ugly, short, and a snob. <laughs> um, but they stayed together for 51 years on the condition that they could sleep with anyone they'd like. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, as we already said, they had this pattern. Beauvoir would 
befriend the women who were usually her underage students and then she'd sleep with them herself and then she'd introduce them to Sarah and she would be like, Do you are you interested? Um and then if they were, then they would pretend to be in love with the girl and discuss it at length behind her back. Um so we talked about Olga and Wanda. Um another interesting one was is um Bianca Bianenfeld? I'm yeah. not really sure. It's Polish, not sure how to say it. Um, she was the daughter of Jewish refugees from Poland, um, and she became Beauvoir's student in 1938 when she was 16. Um, I think this is the same chick. Okay. I think this is just her, her married name, or this is her married name. Oh, okay. I see. Um, so yeah, so we, we briefly mentioned her. They went on a hiking trip at the end of the school year, yeah. and then after that, they started an affair. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we talked about a disgraceful affair, which is, uh, Bianca's novel or a memoir that she wrote um after um and even the title of of the of her memoir it's uh memoir d'une jeune fille dérangée um which it, it means like uh memoirs of like a, a, cra- a crazy young yeah. girl a deranged um yeah. but that is a, a take on the title of uh, Beauvoir's first memoir, Memoir d'une jeune fille d'Angers. Um, so it's just funny that she, <laughs> she oh. took her, her title, basically. Oh, it turned Angers okay. into Durange. Oh, cool. Um, she talks about how when Beauvoir first introduced Bianca to Sartre and he started wooing her, mm-hmm. she kind of felt the same way that Beauvoir did, that, like, okay, like, he's not that cute, but he's very charming. So she was attracted by his, like, charm and spirit, kindness and intelligence. What? He's, like, put, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, putting the moves on her. He's, like, trying to act like the best version of himself and fooling her into thinking, like, that he's a good person, I guess. <laughs> um, and this, I mean goes into your your shock at her thinking that he's a good person because she she writes just as the waiter plays the role of a waiter Sartre played his ro- played to perfection the role of a man in love so she kind of understands that he is pretending to be in love with her i mean not at the time but looking yeah. back at it when she's writing this memoir she realizes that he did that um but this illusion refers to a passage in in uh, one of Sartre's uh philosophy works being in nothingness um where and he was working on this when he started dating uh Bianca and he in that he uses um this waiter to symbolize like people falling into the roles that society gives them so she basically calls him like he's falling into that role of a man in love like she's like I don't know I thought it was a sick bird um um, so Sartre eventually persuades so this Bianca was, like, a, like a lesbian. She'd never slept with men. Not that she was a lesbian, but she had only slept with women up until yeah. this point in her life. Um, and he eventually persuaded her to sleep with him, and he took her to a hotel where he told her that he'd taken another girl's virginity in the same hotel room the day before. Why? Um, why are men? Why are men? Why are men? <laughs> Um, yeah. shit. and she said it was very unpleasant that he had a mildly sadistic attitude towards sex um, oh he like was super into getting a woman to sleep with him and then once he got it he was just not interested anymore so he usually terminated the physical oh, part of his affairs coldly sucked. and quickly those are the two the worst adverbs that could be He's added to sex dweeb. coldly and quickly but he- I think this also has to do with the fact that 
Beauvoir and Sartre's relationship was the way it was and why they needed to do all of this to keep up their connection with each other because Sartre was not into sex and Beauvoir clearly was. Like, she was sleeping with men and women Wait, and, like... he was not into sex? Yeah, like, the, the physical part of sex. He, did, he liked the... He liked the luring the He liked the chase, yeah. Creep. And like the and like talking about sex and yeah. like all of that, but the actual physical part of having sex he was not into. And he stopped sleeping with Beauvoir after being with her for oh. a couple of years. So like yeah. they I think that this this was how they they stayed connected. Like yeah. I mean it's obvious that the most thrilling part for them was not the connections and the sex with other people, but the part where they share it with each other afterwards, like like we've already said. I and mean, I think that the 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 thing that necessitated this was Sartre's lack of wanting to have sex with her and and like wanting to have sex with anyone. Like yeah. he just he was unable to connect to the physical part of of sex, and so the their affairs with other people formed the very basis of I kind their of relationship. Get that. But if you but I think if you are having sex in in an authentic way yeah the he's like doing it so he can like good, you know? up his body count that's what it feels yeah. like yeah um so him and bianca became lovers even though this first time was horrible some for some reason bianca still probably because she's fucking 17 um and these people are taking care of her and her education and housing her and like you know they moved her to paris from from rent like um, this is staying in. This is part of the... Yeah, it's part of the ambiance. Exactly. Um, so, this is happening, and uh, the Maginot line is slowly <laughs> uh, I just getting torn down. <laughs> Can um, I just... That's so bleak! So Sorry. this is happening. They become lovers. Bianca, him and Bianca become lovers. Sartre and Beauvoir keep up the pretense that they're both in love with her until they have enough, and uh, then Beauvoir tells Sartre to write her a letter ending the affair. So the, it looks like Beauvoir's not ending it, but Sartre is. So she has no idea that Beauvoir is telling Sartre to end the affair. She thinks that it's just Sartre's decision um, for the both of them. And so he writes oh, a letter. I did not know that from yeah. my end. Yeah. It's fucked up. Um, so they do this, and then... Three fuck after they put her out on the street because they're not paying for her hotel yeah. room anymore oh my God. or her education. They what put her out on the street, and then three months later, the Germans come to Paris, and she's Jewish. So she barely escaped. Wait, she did. She, she escaped, but right, she read the book. Yeah, but her only her only two relatives that that also first of all to be even begin this, she is. A uh, rush, a, a Polish refugee to begin with. Oh my fucking! God. Like her parents were Polish refugees, and they weren't alive already before the war. So her parents had already died. Her only two remaining relatives in Europe, her grandfather and her aunt, both died in the camps. And uh, Sartre and Beauvoir never inquired about her or tried to find her during the war. They just oh. never talked to her again after that. And then in 45, when everything was fucking okay again, she re- reunited with Beauvoir and saw her once a month until Beauvoir's death. And she had no idea that Beauvoir had, had like, connived with Sartre to drop her or that both of them regarded her as a shallow nuisance until she read about herself when oh. the letters were released in 1990. Oh, fuck. 
It's like, what a crazy fucking manipulative bitch Beauvoir was to keep up a friendship with her where she saw her once a month for her whole life. And then, and also just like, the fucking Holocaust is happening and like, you're not going to just She's check. She's a Polish Jew? Oh my God. Yeah. Fucking bad. Oh, I didn't know they were that bad. Oh, fuck. That one really adds another layer. If I ever said anything complimentary about Beauvoir, I'd like to take it back just for my internet presence. Thank you. <laughs> just for my... In case anybody would like to cancel me, you can't because I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, Beauvoir oh, is kind of canceled. Yeah. Oh. So, Natalie. Oh. Natalie? Yeah. Is she, Natalie. Is she French? I don't yeah. think a French name. So hooky? Oh no, she's Russian. Yeah. But Natalie spelled like that. It's definitely a French name. Maybe she changed her name. Anyway, um, Natalie Sorokin was uh, another student of Beauvoir's. She was the child of, also like another child of Russian emigre. So they clearly had a type. Like they're going for like Russian Polish. So she and Beauvoir came, became sexually involved while Beauvoir was having an affair with um, this woman we just talked about, Bianca. So Natalie, wait, did, repeat that. Sorry. Bianca was the woman we just talked about. Yeah. Um, who they abandoned during the yes, Holocaust. Yes, I, I recall her. I'm trying <laughs> to forget about her, but yeah, I remember. Uh, so during that time, Beauvoir was also with this woman, Natalie, who was okay. also another one of her students. Great, perfect. So she was also Anything, like cheating on her, add basically. That? I Jesus. guess if cheating, it can even be said. In this. No, I don't think um, so. That's like, that's the least of the, the moral. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So she yeah. had this other thing going on on the side with another student. Yeah. Um, who um, she she wrote to Sart, um, I have a very keen taste for her body. Yeah. And, you know, I was kind of upset when I read that because, like, I had just before this read about um, the whole, like, you know, abandoning her during the occupation thing. Oh, yeah, that thing. And, um, the Germans. Yeah. And so that was on my mind. And then I was like, man, I feel like I would have been turned on by the sense if I hadn't just been thinking about the Holocaust. And that just really took that away from me. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that's what you thought? Awful. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a hot sentence. So Keen? I've never... Keen is not a hot... I'm very keen on you. Shut the fuck up, you Brit. Like, okay, well, what are you? if you say the word keen and you follow it up with taste for her body, it can be a race, uh, the unsexiness of keen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun game I like think British of the people. grossest word you can think of and then try to follow it up with a sentence that erases how gross it is see I don't think I don't find words gross okay so Sorokin also slept with Sart um but this part is fucking insane I didn't honestly I didn't even think that this mistress was that interesting but it's this one part that is just just fucked me up okay I don't know you just said you were drunk I don't know if you're gonna be able to follow this because it's a fucking close okay I'm here I'm here I'm here okay okay so Sorokin Comes into the picture. She's Beauvoir's student. Beauvoir is currently sleeping with Bianca. She starts also sleeping with Sorokin. Sorokin also starts sleeping with Sartre, who is also sleeping with Bianca. Say it again. What? <laughs> I'm done. So who's sleeping with who? Whom? Everyone's sleeping with everyone. How many people are there? There's only three. <laughs> no, there's four. Okay, so Bianca is the... Oh, Bianca, the girl before... Bianca is the Polish chick. Polish chick. She is sleeping with Beauvoir. Natalie. She's also oh. sleeping with Sartre. Natalie comes into the Natalie. picture. Natalie is, Natalie is sleeping with Beauvoir and Sartre. So Natalie and, and uh, Bianca are not Bianca. sleeping with each other, oh. but uh, Sartre and Beauvoir are sleeping with both women. 
So why is Anato sleeping with Bianca? Um, because they don't know each other. They kept a secret they, from each other. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Um, so at this point, Beauvoir encourages Natalie to I'm sleep crazy. with another lover of Beauvoir's, this man, but, Jacques Lerhomme Bos. So Bos. 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 Okay. <laughs> um, so this is just another guy on the side that Beauvoir is sleeping with. So she takes this girl who is sleeping with her, like, husband, her life partner, and also her, and she's like, you know what, you should also sleep with my other boyfriend over here. I can't imagine being that And then, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then, on top of this, remember Olga that we Uh were talking about at the beginning? uh Boast was Olga's boyfriend. And then he married... No. Oh. And then he married Olga and continued in secret to have an affair with Beauvoir, <gasps> who remained Olga's friend. I know this is like an intellectual podcast, kind of, but like people that love reality TV would love this fucking yeah. show. Yeah. Come on. I Are you kidding me? His boyfriend? Her boyfriend? Oh, God. It's insane. Oh, my God. So yeah, that's fucking crazy. Also, like, none of them knew about it. That's why I said cheating, because it's like, they didn't know about Yeah, that like, is she knew cheating. about Sartre, you obviously. You can't cheat. I said something ignorant a second ago. You can cheat in an open relationship. I forgot about that rule. You can. If you break if you break your little rules that you have. Then that's they cheating. Have, they yeah. have a contract. Mm-hmm. They, have a little, they have a little thing. They don't have an app, but they have a contract. They have a manifesto. Whatever. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, so that was fucking crazy. Also, like, I feel like I just have to mention that um, Sartre had, like, a bunch of mistresses besides the mistresses that him and Beauvoir shared. Did he keep them secret? Like, secret? Not from Beauvoir. Like, Beauvoir knew almost everything, but um, he, like, there was one woman that he, that uh, Sartre proposed marriage to, and he never told Beauvoir about that. (gasps) Um, They didn't get married. That kind of hurts my heart, though. I thought that she was the one. (laughs) Well, they never got married, but he had one mistress that was, like, he was, like, too close with, and he kept some details from Beauvoir about that one mistress, who I didn't think she was interesting enough to write about her. And I also just found the people that they both slept with to be more interesting, which is why I chose these women. Mm -hmm. Um, But just a note about (laughs) Sartre's mistresses, um, he, so he had these women that him and Beauvoir would both sleep with, but he, like, you know, like, the young ones that she picked up at school, but then also... He had, like, a bunch of other mistresses, and he would put them up in different apartment buildings or, like, hotels <laughs> or all around Paris. Hell yeah. I'll and he would give them... Honestly, like, I need I need a job after this one ends, so if anyone's willing to, to do this for me, I'm, I'm down. And I'll go out with you once a week. Okay. It, it was, like, a set time that they had to put aside in their schedules where he would come over. He'd be, like... From, like, Honestly. 5 o'clock to 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, you need to keep that time free for me because I'm coming over then, but that's also the only time I can give you. And they just had to have their schedules clear for him then, and they paid, he paid to put them up in, in Whatever. Apartments. You I, know, Sign me up. I, I'm okay with that, everyone listening. You know why he could afford to do this? Because he was living with his mom to spend all of his money on mistresses. <laughs> <laughs> How old was he? Like fucking thirty something at this point, ladies. If pretend like this is a call her daddy episode. If he's if he's living with his mom and he's putting in an apartment in Paris, walk away. I know, I know it's tempting. Walk away. But also, okay? if anyone wants to put me up in an apartment in Paris and they're living with their mom, also you can contact us directly. <laughs> Our email is gmail.com. Just get in touch with us directly. We're definitely single and definitely I know we might not sound cute but we are 
I know, my voice sucks. We definitely, do we sound like we're ugly, guys? Can you let us know? Yeah. Let us know before we do a face reveal. (laughs) (laughs) Coming soon on our Instagram. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Yeah. That's, is that it? That's it, yeah. Oh, God. You know, the next time that you get insecure about your boyfriend looking at another girl, just remember that jealousy, like all passions, is the enemy of freedom. Just remember that, honestly. Truly. And just remember, don't fucking date an artist. How many times do we have to tell you? Picasso? Huh? Oh my god, that, yeah. Remember him? Don't. Yeah. But also, anytime you feel like you're being mistreated by a man, just think, at least he didn't ditch you two months before the Holocaust. (laughs) Pause. Stop the recording. (laughs) Goodbye. We never said anything about the Holocaust.